I mentioned earlier today, we are just delighted to have Joel McCarvey with us at Bible Fellowship. This is not the type of service that uh, we were hoping to have. We were hoping to have a regular type of service and hear you preach. Uh, but today it's going to resemble more of what we do when you come and visit. We sit around in the living room and we talk theology, we talk doctrine, and we have a, a blessed time. Uh, so we're going to be uh, having that type of service today. Uh, also sitting at the round table with us is uh, one of our elders, uh, Neil Schnoth. And I, I praise God for, for Neil and Diana and their faithfulness and uh, their encouragement and just their ministry to St. Louis Bible Fellowship. Neil has been a part of us uh, all of his life. He was raised in this church and I'm telling you folks, this man loves the Lord Jesus Christ and his desire is to serve him. So uh, this morning, uh, Neil is sitting at the table with us. So if you want to direct some of your questions at this elder, uh, we invite you to do that uh, uh, today. Uh, before we start, one of the things that I, I want to remind us all of is God's Word tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that we are to be thankful, we're to rejoice and be thankful uh, in all things. We're to, we're to give thanks. We're to praise God in the midst of, of things taking place, even like this. This is giving us a chance, an opportunity as the redeemed of the Lord to really be a witness, to basically practice what it is we preach. Uh, words are one thing, uh, actions are another. And so let me encourage you to to, to serve the Lord during this time, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in all things. Give thanks unto him. Uh, Ephesians 5 tells us that we are to be thankful for all things. And, and so as these things take place, understand that, that uh, God is on his throne, that the tomb is empty. And we've been preaching for a long time that the Lord Jesus is coming back. We've been telling people uh, that they need to prepare for, for that event. Uh, we've been praising God for that truth. We've been believing in that truth. And personally, I believe we are close. I believe that the things that we're seeing today are indications of just how close the rapture of the church is. And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. But trusting God, even during this crisis, and no fear, knowing that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I believe it is with great expectation as soldiers of the cross that we look forward to the ministry that God has called us and understanding that this is an opportunity to, to minister. So Joel and Neil, this morning, the question that is on everyone's mind, the question that people seem to be asking me uh, concerns the coronavirus. Uh, and how it relates to uh, prophecy, how it relates to uh, last days. Uh, but not only do you have this coronavirus, but you have earthquakes uh, taking place all around the world. There was one that just took place this, uh, this past week in, in Utah. Uh, so many different natural disasters. The political turmoil uh, that's going on is, is in, incredible. Uh, we've, we're finding out about locust infestations around the world that are taking place. And, and so as we see all these things take place, uh, what should be our reaction? What should be our, 
uh, position as grace believers, as, as dispensationalists, as those who rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, Joel, uh, share some doctrinal truth when it comes to these events. Are these signs of the times? No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining yeah. us this morning. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Yeah. I am um, serious. I, I don't believe they are. But before I get there, I, I was thinking of just a couple things as you were uh, speaking there. Uh, what is our response in these unprecedented days that we have right now uh, as, as believers and as the church? And... I'm, I was just thinking of two passages here. One's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and, and the apostle starts off, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we should be praying for the world right now, every day, not just now, but every day. But he goes on to say for kings, and really kings would be those in governance over us, so we could be mayors, uh, governors, presidents, you know, whoever. But I think we need to remember all of these people who are in authority in prayer. And, and I've always said that. We need to pray. When I've prayed uh, in the past, and I, I, always, I always pray for those in authority. I always pray for uh, those who are in political office. But I especially pray for those who are in political office who claim to know the Lord as Savior, that uh, above and beyond their political uh, agenda, which they all have, they need to remember their biblical agenda. And that needs to guide them in, in the way they conduct themselves and in the votes that they take. Um, but, you know, as the apostle says here, I think at this time we need to be in prayer for our president and for those who are in authority over us. You mentioned, uh, I, I also had in Philippians chapter 4, uh, you quoted very, uh, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There again, a lot of times people say, how can we rejoice? Here we have people dying. Uh, we have cases and thousands of cases supposedly coming around of the virus. And now you're telling me to rejoice. And the fact is, the verse says rejoice in the Lord, Amen. not the circumstance. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have truly put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a hope that extends beyond this world, beyond this life. And we have a promise of eternity. And in that, we can find cause for rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ no matter the circumstance. And, and Paul found his grace to be sufficient for him. And that same grace that was sufficient for the Apostle Paul is more than efficient for us in this time in which we live, or in our lives in general. And, and so he says, on down, he says, be careful for nothing. And, and some look at that word careful. Some of the translations use the word anxious. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and thanks, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Our prayer needs to be made with thanksgiving. You know, it's, it's really interesting when you look at some of David's prayers in the Old Testament where he was praying for God to do something. And while he's praying for God to do something, he's also thanking him for what he's done, like it's already done. And, and, and uh, sometimes we're not really thankful till we, we see that we get what we want, then we're thankful for it. 
if we don't get what we want, we're really not thankful. But here the Apostle Paul says, when you pray, you pray with thanksgiving. It accompanies the request. Uh, that I, you know, when I pray, it's, it's like, whatever you do, I know it's right, it's holy, it's just, and I'm going to be thankful for it before I even see the answer. And, and so I think we need to be in prayer. I don't think we need to be anxious. And, and unfortunately, uh, we were listening to the radio coming in here today, and, and the uncertainty breeds fear, fear breeds panic, uh, and where are we today? We're in panic mode uh, because we have fear and we don't know. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have a hope that rather than being in panic and buying toilet paper, <laughs> we should be praising God and keeping our focus on him. Well, that's the whole him. point, is that what an opportunity to show the world. Absolutely. Well, how, how a believer reacts to this type of uh, circumstance. Yeah. Praise God that we have that opportunity. Absolutely. Coming in here, uh, Susan had her phone, and she was looking down through Facebook. And there are churches today on Facebook who aren't there every week. And the world is getting the gospel today, that's which right. it wouldn't have gotten last Sunday. That's right. well, and that's one of the or the Sunday before. And that's one of the reasons why I say Ephesians 2 talks about the fact that Satan is the, uh, the that he's the prince and power of the air. Right now, there are messages. There, the gospel is going out. The airwaves are being bombarded with yes. the truth of God's word. I rejoice at that. Yes. That's something to be thankful for. Yes. And uh, I'd say let's keep it up. Keep it up. I, I think there's a lot of churches that are doing something today they've never done before. And the unfortunate thing is, in three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, when this all subsides, they'll go back to doing what they used to do when they could have continued to reach millions and reach the world. Uh, you know, the, the Internet isn't just down the street. It's around the world. That's it. That's and, and people can, can get that broadcast at any time. And, and, you know, think about what you can think what you want to think about what's going on right now. But no matter what, Satan meant it for, God's going to use it for good Amen. if we allow him to do that. Right. And use it. We allow Absolutely. him to do that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, getting back to that yeah. that I asked you. What was that? <laughs> well, a lot of people, I think, are confused about some of the things that are going on today. Are they a prophecy fulfillment and times, times of the end? Or end time prophecies? Yeah. So, am I on, Tim? You're on and off. Sort of. Hey, that's been going on for years. Yeah. <laughs> right. Since we're only talking at once, we probably should pass. So, so, well, anyway, your mic seems to be working, Joel, so you go ahead and, and you. So, okay, well, I'll hold it up close. All right. All right. I'm turning that off. Okay. To, 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 to answer that question, I said no. And, and I believe that. The answer, the simple answer is no. Um, I, I don't believe that, that, that the things that are going on right now around the world are signs necessarily of the end times. But we have to define the end times. What are we talking about? The rapture of 
the second coming. The rapture of the second coming. And of course, when you say that, there's a lot of people say, what are you talking about? And, and it really comes down to rightly dividing the word of truth. And much of Christendom, much of evangelicalism, doesn't understand rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and in essence, the, the, we're, we're looking right now at, at some of the result of not rightly dividing the word of truth. You easily fall into fear because there is an anxiety. Is this the last times? Is this the end times? Is this, is this? Well, I don't know. Now I fear and I can. Um, and, you know, G, even Jesus, when Jesus in, in Matthew, when he talked about the, the end, and, and he goes down through that whole list in, in, um, in Matthew 24, and, and these are the, when the disciples asked for the signs of his coming, he said in verse, uh, in verse 3, what is the signs of your coming and what are the signs of the end of the world, the end of the age? What, what should we be looking for? And, and Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. Uh, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So people are looking at that as a sign of the end, and yet Jesus clearly says, Oh, no, that's not the end. That's not the end. And he says, for nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences. You talk about the, the locusts. There'll be pestilences and earthquakes in, in various places. Uh, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. Not the end, they're the beginning. And, and what Jesus is talking about is, is the tribulational period. And you better get ready for this. And yet, very often, Christendom takes it as, a, as the beginning of the end of this age rather than the beginning of a terrible day that God's going to pour out upon them. So this will be a good time for us to stop and, and talk about the difference between the rapture of the church and are there signs, prophetic signs, connected to the rapture of the church? And my answer to that is no. No. Now, are there signs connected to the second coming of Christ? The answer to that is yes. yes. Almost did that in harmony. Yes. Uh, and now, when you start seeing things taking place uh, that are associated with the second coming of Christ, and it looks as if the stage is being set, that the actors are getting in place, all of the things are starting to materialize that are show that we're entering into the tribulation time, well, then you know that the rapture is really, really close. Really, really close. And because we have not been appointed to wrath, all of those prophecies, all of those signs are associated with the wrath of God during the tribulation, the day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble. The church, we have been promised that God uh, has not appointed us to wrath, but there is going to be a catching away. Now, there are indications that we're getting close to the end of this present dispensation. Uh, there should be perilous times and the list of things that take place. Those are all indications of how close we are to the rapture. And I'd say those indications are right on spot because these are perilous times. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there are going to be those that give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines and devils. Uh, folks, I, I think that's, that's happening. 
So do we believe that the rapture of the church is close, that it's, it's imminent, it could take place at 82nd? Absolutely. But the second coming of Christ, right. that's, if it happened, if the rapture were to happen right now, the second coming is at least seven years away. Seven years away. And, and there's an element in, in the fact that when Paul says in perilous times these things shall happen, and, and there's, a, there's a real a list there in, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy uh, of that. Uh, but in many ways, a lot of those things have been present you know, forever. Uh, read Romans 1 uh, and see you know, the things that were there. Uh, so it, my take on, on Paul's uh, presentation of, of both of those, the, the latter times, perilous times shall come, I think what Paul's talking about there is not the world. I think Paul's describing church. The, the church, not necessarily the body of Christ, not the body, but Christ, uh, religion. And, and that in the, re, in, religious, in the religious realm, these kinds of things are going to happen. And there's no doubt that we are seeing that more and more, that much of Christendom, much of organized religion, much of the mainline denominations are moving away from a, a solid biblical stand and are adapting a secular worldview and, and the acceptance of, of the immorality, gay marriage, all these kinds of things. Uh, is creeping into the church where now it's been part of the church. Now we're ordaining homosexuals, which God calls an abomination. Um, and so I think when you look at it that way, uh, is the rapture near? Amen. But could it happen this today? Yep. Could it happen a year from now? Yep. We don't really know. That's why, that's why everything that gears with that is just be ready, be ready, be ready, Amen. and be working. First Thessalonians 5, you know, Paul tells the church there in Thessalonica that the day of the Lord is not going to creep upon them right. because they're children of the day, not children of the, the night. night. So I believe there is going to be a general consensus. There's going to be a feeling uh, of that assurance that the body of Christ is going to share that, that we are close. Mm -hmm. uh, Neil. Do you have anything that you'd like to, to add to that aspect of the, the conversation? Sure. I uh, wanted to make sure that we point out a ground rule that we have when we understand right division of God's word. And a very uh, succinct description of that we find in where Pastor Rick just was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 at the end leading into chapter 5. And we have some instructions for us as believers in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we jump in at chapter four, verse 11, and we have some instructions of things that we can do that can help us get through any kind of trouble and would certainly apply to this today, and that ye study to be quiet, to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. These were instructions that the Apostle Paul wrote to a specific group, but we can apply it to ourselves and make application. And we see the opposite of that so much on social media as people get so excited and they attack one another, even one another who are of the same faith, 
and as emotions get up, so we have, emo- we have instructions on how we can do our lives as believers. Verse 12, that you walk honestly toward them that are without. How important is that? To have an example to those who are without. They are not in Christ. They are without. How important to have an example to them that they would become jealous and say, I want what these guys have that ye may have lack of nothing, but I would not have you be ignorant. Now, here we have an introduction to something that's new. The Apostle Paul is revealing to these folks something new and what uh, is sometimes referred to as the rapture, the catching away, harpazo, but I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we, what, work real hard? No, it says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is talking about something different that was not revealed through prophecy. For this we say, verse 15, unto you by the word of the Lord. Where did Paul get this? It wasn't made up. It wasn't from the other apostles. This is something new from the risen Lord Jesus Christ, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. So how many people assume that this is the second coming according to prophecy? Most of the religious folks believe that to be the case. But if we read on, we can see something that's different. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is a real promise for those who were worried about their brethren who died. And it's a promise of the harpazo, the catching away, the rapture, if you will. Then in verse, in, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, the apostle switches to something that they already knew and were in prophecy ground. He draws this contrast between mystery, the catching away, and the day of the Lord, which is the subject of prophecy. In the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Why would he not have to write them? Because it was already revealed, it was prophecy. So we have a ground rule here. We have mystery and we have prophecy. If we try to commingle and make something fit where it doesn't belong, there's all kinds of confusion. So we have an instruction to be out there for those who are without in a way that will draw them to them, to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have revelation of our catching away and a rapture that is different than prophecy, but he talks about in chapter five, the day of the Lord. That's back to prophecy. That's these people who are gonna be caught unawares. But we have the instructions that we won't be caught unawares. For one, if you're in Christ, you won't be there. You are already gone. So we have to remember our ground rules of mystery and prophecy And if we go back into Matthew, as Brother Joel pointed out, and try to hammer those things in, 
we're going to be really confused and not know exactly what's going on. The difference between the catching away of the body of Christ and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth is so difficult to get people to understand. It takes a lot of time. And just in uh, emotional discussions on social media, it's really difficult to accomplish that. We must go to God's word and remember our ground rule. Prophecy and mystery, they are different. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15 51, Paul calls it the, the mystery. A mystery. Absolutely. That is a mystery. It had not been revealed before. So we absolutely need to make that distinction um, as, as we reach out to the, to the lost and let him know that, that no, God has not appointed those members of the body of Christ, us who've been redeemed, he's not appointed us to wrath. And it's during the tribulation that his wrath is going to be poured out. Amen. That is why we need to be actively sharing the gospel of the grace of God during this time. Why Paul said, now is the day of salvation. What must a person do to be saved? It is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe the gospel that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. And God offers salvation by grace to whomever believes. That is part of this present dispensation. That's part of this time that we have the opportunity to be sharing the gospel with our friends, with our family, with our loved ones, because we certainly don't want them to go into the tribulation period. Joel, were you going to add to that? I, I, I want to add only in so much as I don't know who's listening right now. And, and I'm sure there's someone listening thinking, what are you guys talking about? Mystery, do that every prophecy. Time. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and for those who are listening, you have to understand, we, the, the three of us here, this church, we believe all of Scripture is the Word of God. Amen. All of it. All of Scripture is given by the very breath of God. And, and we believe that our, our ministries, our, this church is built on that very foundation, that, that the Word of that the Scripture... Genesis to Revelation is the verbally inspired word of God. Amen. With that in mind, what we have to do when we talk about rightly dividing the word of truth is understand as the word of God was being given, who was it being given to? And, and, and that's the important thing. And as you study the bulk of the so-called Old Testament and you come into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the first half of the book of Acts, who is God writing to? The nation of Israel. But then you go into this other guy's books, the Apostle Paul. And now you start learning of something that's totally new, never mentioned before, never even hinted at before. This thing called a mystery, a mystery, the church, the body of Christ. No longer is it the nation of Israel, but it is just people. The nations of the world. It's the body of Christ. And, and uh, the apostle writes in Ephesians chapter 3, um, how that by revelation he made known unto the mystery, as I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Was not made known unto the sons of men. And in Colossians he says about the same thing, the mystery which hath been hid from ages and generations. That would take us all the way back through the, the 12 disciples, 
through the gospel period, back into the Old Testament period, all of that period, all of this mystery was hidden. And, and, and I always point out to people, the mystery was hidden in the mind of God. It was hidden in God. It's hidden in the mind of God, not the Word of God, which means you can't go to the Old Testament and begin to find it. It's not there. Unsearchable. It's unsearchable. So when we talk about the difference between the second coming and the rapture, or the second coming and the secret coming, because the rapture, as given in Scripture, is only found in the writings of the Apostle Paul. That's right. The second coming, on the other hand, is found in the Old Testament and throughout the Gospels, and then uh, Hebrews, James, John, all of that. But when you get to Paul, Paul's talking about the secret coming, the mystery coming, the rapture of the church, as we've put the name to it, the rapture of the church. And, and that, is, that, that concerns those people who are alive on earth today uh, in the body of Christ. And, and so when we talk about rightly dividing, we're talking about something that was revealed, something in contrary to something that was unrevealed until it was made known to the Apostle Paul. And unless you see that, and as Neil said, if you, if you begin to mix those two things together, then you come up with what I call as theological goulash, and you really, you really have no answer. Right. You have no sure foundation. You have no real answer. And, and, and again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. The bulk of evangelical churches fail to rightly divide the word of truth and therefore really can offer little hope, little hope, and, and little understanding of what is really going on today. The thing that we need to understand, too, is that the rapture of the church takes place before the second coming. Before the second coming. And as believers, if we start seeing, because there are prophecies, there are, there are things that are going to happen that uh, take place during the tribulation that will give those people uh, knowledge that the second coming is about to take place. Uh, they, they will know. So if we start seeing things that are uh, adding up for the second coming, the, with the rapture happening first, then how much closer are we are to we? the rapture of the church? Uh, a couple of things that uh, I was reading about this week that, that I'd like for those who are listening to, to look into, to investigate on their own. Um, I had a, a dear cousin of mine down in the great state of Alabama sent me some information concerning uh, a, a deal that's going on that I would not heard anything about called uh, ID 2020. ID 2020. And it is a global movement uh, to bring about a, a, a worldwide identification system with a chip in, embedded in every individual. Well, you know, those things smack of, of uh, what what the Bible talks about, that the beast, the Antichrist, is, is going to do, and one, a one-world government, that type of incentive uh, to bring about uh, the mark of the beast. What's interesting about this ID 2020 is they call this the certification mark. The thing that they're going to be uh, offering is this certification mark. They, they use that terminology in their writing. Uh, this, uh, uh, this thing that they're, they're pushing, this this uh, chip embedment uh, is, is going to be uh, 
done in, in order for there to be a real identification system in place. You know, they're saying that, that people's voting rights, that people's uh, driving rights, that people, I mean, they come up with all sorts of, of rights that people are not uh, experiencing or having because they do not have the proper ID. So leave it to the world governments to come up with, oh, we know, let's embed a chip that tells us everything we need to know about those people. And that is a movement, ID 2020. Now, the thing that's most horrifying uh, about this is they, and, and how it kind of connects to this coronavirus, is the World Health Organization, uh, and there are those that are talking about, hey, this ID 2020 is a great idea. Let's tie it to the potential vaccine that's going to be offered to safeguard against the coronavirus. And, and if you want to be vaccinated, uh, uh, then you need to come in and get this chip. And if you don't get the chip, and they, they say this in their own writing, that it is going to enable you to buy, sell, uh, and carry on commerce with that chip, that if you don't have it, you won't be able to. See, that just smacks of tribulation prophecy being fulfilled. So if we're starting to see that type of thing, they're, they're, they're those talking right now, uh, this week, reading about a, a, uh, a cashless society where they're talking about having a global monetary system as they see runs on the bank and they see the economic system uh, collapsing uh, and that's picking up steam and eliminating uh, cash and being a cashless society. Uh, when you start seeing those things take place, uh, my advice is look up for your redemption draweth nigh. When you start seeing those things, that falls into the category of, you know, the day of the Lord is not going to catch you because you're not a child of the darkness, you're a child of the day. So we need to be aware of these type of things and, and earnestly reaching out to our loved ones and our friends with the gospel of the grace of God. So either one of you, how, how do you feel about when we hear about those things, the locust plague, uh, other pestilences, the earthquakes, all of those type of things. Uh, how do you explain those to people to say, no, those are prophecies of the last days. Right. Well, yes, the second coming, but not the rapture. Right. We right. agree. Yeah, we agree. We agree. Okay. <laughs> Neil, do you have anything you want to add on to that one? Okay. Well, one of the other things that I, I, I want to get onto in the few minutes that we have left uh, is you hear people talking about this is God's punishment. This is God's judgment. Uh, what, what do you say to those people? Because I do not believe, I don't think scripture teaches that what's going on is God's judging. Because God's not judging right now. He, he, heaven is silent. And uh, grace is being offered that this is not God's punishment, this is not God's judgment. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. And, and you see that uh, every time there's some major uh, outbreak, uh, AIDS was a punishment of God. Uh, Katrina was a punishment of God. 9-11. 9 uh, was a punishment of God. Uh, and, and again, <sighs> You know, it's, we could go right back to where we've been, rightly divided. Because, and the reason I say that is when God dealt with the nation of Israel, he was dealing with the nation of Israel. He was dealing with the nation of Israel 
on an individual basis, but even a corporate basis, as a nation. He dealt with the nations around Israel according to how they treated Israel. And, and so there was that immediate judgment, immediate judgment type uh, of case. And, and so God would bring the plagues on Egypt uh, and, and the destruction of Jericho. Uh, you know, the, 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 all of these things. He also withheld judgment with Jonah uh, as, as Nineveh repented. But when you come to, to Paul, you don't have that. In, that, that, that whole, even that thought is, is absent uh, from Paul. That, that God is not dealing with a nation today. God is not dealing with nations today. God is dealing with just people today. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, Greek, bond free, male, female. All God sees when he looks down on earth today is... Are you in Christ or, or not? Are you saved or are you lost? That's, that's all. And, and God's desire is that all men might be saved. Amen. Uh, and so there again, the failure to rightly divide brings, the, unfortunately, the theologian into the picture. And, and then the theologian starts crying out judgment of God, punishment by God, and, and really... I think Satan uses that to bring reproach and ridicule back on the church. I agree, especially when you hear people talk about, well, that was an act of God. That yes. That was an act of God. Uh, the lost will say, well, if that's the works of a loving God, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Where, again, heaven is silent. We're in the dispensation of the grace of God. God's wrath is not being poured out. That's not to say that we, as the body of Christ, shouldn't be taking the opportunity to share the gospel, uh, it is getting people's attention. You know, the curse has been pronounced upon the earth, and uh, so much of this is uh, an aspect of, of that curse. Uh, but these are not God saying, well, I'm going to zap them, or I'm going to cause this to happen uh, in order to, to, to punish them. Uh, that's not what's going on in this present dispensation. And, and unfortunately, we see that in the church. Uh, people get sick. God's punishing me. Uh, I, you know, uh, something happens in the family, God's punishing the family. Or, or some, and it's, 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 a, uh, it's a false doctrine that unfortunately, I believe, sows the seeds of doubt and uh, uh, abandonment. People abandon their, their so-called faith because God's a mean God. God's an angry God. And, and friends, today, God is a God of grace. Uh, God's a God of hope. God's a God of peace. And he offers to everyone a gift of life that is merely received by faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith and trust in him, and we're trusting in him, and we're truly in Christ, we need not fear because he's, he's a God of grace, Amen. a God of love, a God of hope. And, and, uh, but we know that, again, it keep, everything keeps coming back to rightly dividing. But it's so important That's right. that we That's understand right. the word of God from beginning to end and how it fits uh, the thing. Neil said earlier, and, and I, I just insert this here, how we can go, we can go back to, to uh, Matthew again, 
And Jesus talking about that day and hour, no man knows. Uh, even, even several years ago when the rapture was about to happen, I heard, I heard people who should know better quoting this verse. You know, uh, no man knows the day and hour. And I thought, well, he's not even talking about this. But he says there, but as in the days of Noah, uh, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And then he goes down, uh, so eating, drinking, and giving in marriage and until the day Noah entered into the ark, knew not in the flood, and took them away. So also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Two will be in the field, one taken, one left. Women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Watch. And, and it says, as in the days of Noah, some remain, some are taken. Who remained? And, and right away, I remember as a kid, we sang a song, I wish we'd all been ready, and it was a rapture song. And it was based on this passage of scripture, and it's totally upside down. Yep. It's totally upside down. The ones who are taken are taken in judgment. The ones who remain, that was Noah and his family. Right. They're good guys. Right, the opposite of what the rapture is. Just the opposite. Uh, it, the rapture, the ones who are taken are the believers. They're the saints. They're the ones who are in Christ, and they're the ones who have a promise, and, and when that trumpet sounds, we're out of here, and the ones who remain are the lost, and they're open for judgment. Yep. They're open for judgment. So this verse, don't, listen, folks, if you're listening, don't take that verse and apply it to today, because it doesn't apply to the church. Look at the wording there, even as in the days of Noah. In the same way as it was with Noah, it'll be at that time, mm -hmm. and this isn't it. That's it. The end of tribulation, it will be. Yes. And maybe yes. that's another discussion we'll have in the next few weeks as to what was that referring to in the days of Noah, because that's, that's an interesting uh, conversation. Yes. Uh, Tim, do we have any questions back there that... Uh... Our rocks are folded, so they can be three No dead air, no dead air, no dead air, no dead air. No dead air. <laughs> and then, uh, the broadcasting major me is cringing right now. So, All right, hello there, everyone. So we did have one uh, comment, I guess, come in. Um, it was just a uh, scripture reference, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, which I'll go ahead and read. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And gentlemen, if you want to go ahead and discuss that. Well, that sounds like a Tim Hargrove question, <laughs> and, uh, which it was because he sent that uh, to me. Uh, and that kind of goes back to what Joel was talking about just a few moments ago, uh, as far as the thorn in the flesh and, and Paul being caught up into uh, paradise and to the, the third heaven. Uh, and we, we praise God for, for his grace. We praise God for the assurance that when things happen into our lives, things come into our lives, uh, disruption just as what's going on now, uh, my, my assurance is not in my strength, not in my ability to cope, not in my ability to come up with answers, 
but in God's grace, and it is sufficient. And I cannot begin to tell you how many times in my Christian walk uh, there have been things going on in my life and difficulty and that were it not for that verse and the realization that when I'm weak, he's strong. And praise God, he's faithful. He is faithful all the time. Amen. And his, his grace is sufficient. I have found that to be so true all the time. And that, that fits Romans chapter 5, which is again... Uh, Brother Tim Hargrove sent this to remind us that that tribulation works experience and ex experience patience and patience hope. And as we go through all of these things, you know what we're going to find out when we come through this coronavirus situation? Uh, regardless of the havoc it wreaks on this economy, regardless of what transpires, here's what's going to come out of this at the end, that God is faithful. God is faithful, and we just re we rejoice at that. Uh, in closing this morning, I'm going to ask uh, Neil uh, to, to close this with uh, uh, Psalm 91. Psalm 91, first verse. Yeah, and as Neil turns to it, Joel wants to say something, and then after Neil is done, uh, Tim, I want, I want you to play that other uh, video uh, that... Uh, Everyone's familiar with that song, and I think that it epitomizes our sentiment. Uh, there are a few th aspects of that song that doctrinally, eschatologically, we might disagree with, but boy, I'm telling you, it is, it is absolutely uh, powerful as we think of the truth of what this song is. I'm going to keep it a mystery. I'm going to keep it hidden until Tim starts it, and then everyone will recognize it. But Joel... Well, I, let me just say very quickly, you know, uh, what Paul wrote here. We talk about infirmities and persecutions and afflictions and distresses, and I know there are those think people that, you know, the church is being persecuted now and, and all of that. Listen, forget that. Rise up in the strength of Christ and, and take the time, take the opportunity to use this for his good, not my pity. That's right. That's right. So Amen. Amen. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and then ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh unto thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, 
The young lion and a dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore wilt I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Tim.